Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Lockdown Cavaliers. As always, I'm your host, Chris Manning, from Fear the Sword and from The Step Back. Today, I have another packed show for you. We're going to go through this weekend's games, recap the Raptors game, recap the Magic game, and give you insights on what won those two games for the Cavs. Uh, Two different games, two different styles of performances, but still two wins for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Going to give you takeaways, player of the game, and then a new little feature for for our game recaps. Going to give you wine and gold winners. Uh, To quote Fred McLeod, the Cavs play-by-play guy, what those are are basically the thing of the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Buckeyes that get in their helmets each week when they make a good play. That's what those are going to be for this podcast. I'm going to identify some things that worked really well for the Cavs, and maybe in some instances they'll be uh, some things that didn't work well but are still worth highlighting in some way. Um, and then to wrap up the show, I will be answering your mailbag questions, which, as always, you can submit to LockedOnCavs on Twitter or to LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. But before we get into the show, just going to give you a quick word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek, if you didn't already know, is the best way to buy and sell tickets for any game or concert you may want to go to. It's a free app right on your iPhone or your Android, and it gives you the option to get any ticket to anything you may want to see. It collects all of the different options from all the different ticket sites. There's no hidden fees. You know exactly what you're going to get. Each ticket is graded, and you're going to know if it's a good deal or bad deal based on the color of the seat when you click around. Plus, the SeatGeek app gives you the opportunity to view your what your seat would look like and what your view would look like at the game or concert you want to go to right in the app. Uh, and you, you, So you're going to have no problems knowing what you're going to get from the SeatGeek app and what your ticket might be like. Plus, my listeners today can get a $20 mail-in rebate off the first purchase by using the code LOCAVS. All you have to do to use that promo code is to go under the settings tab, enter that promo code, and you'll get SeatGeek is going to send you $20 by using that code and for using the SeatGeek app. It's a great app. I've used it uh, to get tickets for Browns games. I got them for the Kanye West concert in Cleveland not too long ago. And if you're someone in Cleveland looking to possibly see Game 6 of the World Series on Tuesday or an upcoming Cavs game, that's the best way to do it. You're going to need to know exactly the best deal for those tickets because they're hard to get tickets in Cleveland, and there's no better option than SeatGeek. So again, my listeners can save $20 on the first purchase by using the code LOCAVS, going into the settings tab, and entering that code today. Download SeatGeek. There's no better way for you to buy and sell tickets right on your phone. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again to SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. Now we're going to hop right into Friday's Raptors game. Uh, the Cavs won 94-91 in a pretty close game. Uh, Kyrie Irving, three late in the game, won it for the Cavs. And this was a game that Toronto clearly came to play hard in. This is a Toronto team that has a point to prove. Uh, before the season, their coach Dwayne Casey told NBA.com's David Aldridge that he thought the Raptors might have to get ahead of the Cavs in the standings to have a shot at making the finals. And, you know, this is a Toronto team that clearly came out and played like they had a point to prove. Uh, the Cavs handled it pretty well. You know, they led for most of the way. Toronto did have some moments where they pushed, and it, it was only a three-point win, but the Cavs got it done on the road. First road game of the year. 
and they were pretty locked in. You saw some of the stuff from opening night, the Kyrie LeBron pick and rolls, the general positive ball movement. Uh, everything that you wanted to see from the Cavs in that game, you definitely saw. So that that certainly worked. And it was just a positive performance, even if it wasn't a blowout like some people may have wanted or had hoped for. Uh, not every game in the NBA can be a blowout. It just doesn't work that way. So we're going to give you three takeaways. Uh, first, Kyrie Irving played another big game. And aside from his big shot, you know, he definitely was the team's leader. He had 23 shots in that game against LeBron 16. Um, and he had that, and again, he did that big shot at the end. But Kyrie, early in the season, just through these first couple games, is really taking on a bigger role in this Cavs offense. We're seeing him do more. We're seeing him just take on a bigger scoring role as LeBron is maybe distributing more and letting Kyrie kind of lead things. It's worked really well so far. I think the ball movements look better. We're seeing less pounding and just overly dribbling. Uh, and Kyrie's played really well. He's he's leading the team in scoring. He's He's got the highest usage rate. He's doing everything you'd want from him in this role so far. Uh, maybe like this team rack up some more assists, but I'm not particularly worried about that to date. Uh, he's not a guy who's ever going to, I think, average 10 assists a game, and that is totally fine. Um, I mean, I think against the Magic, he finished with, with one, which, you know, not necessarily the best the best thing uh, from your point guard, even if he's not a traditional point guard. But uh, you look at Kyrie's stats for the year so far in the three games, and it's really spending 35 minutes tonight, which would be the second highest total of his career. Uh, he's taking 21 shots tonight, shooting 46% from the field. He's at a blistering 50% from three on over seven attempts per game. Uh, he's averaging 25 points a game, and he's averaging four assists. That Those are numbers I like for Kyrie. Uh, that's a good stat line for him. He's, he's maybe not going to shoot 50% from three, but if he keeps that up, he might leave, the, might leave the Cavs in scoring, as I said, I think he could do on the show before. Uh, and I, I think you really have to like what you've seen from Kyrie in Toronto. The Toronto game is a big example of that. Uh, number two, Amon Shumpert struggled at point guard in this game. He had two assists and two turnovers. Uh, he had a plus-minus of negative six. And he's really kind of struggling to to do things with the ball in his hand. Uh, this isn't necessarily a surprise. He's a guy who has had issues in the past with ball handling. It's probably the weakest skill he has on offense. And that's saying something considering he's not a shooter. But... The Cavs are giving him an opportunity to really be the backup point guard, to be Kyrie's backup, and to take on a bigger role than we've seen him take in the first you know year and a half of his tenure in Cleveland. Uh, he hasn't really blown the doors off yet, and I think there's a chance you maybe see Kay Felder maybe take on a bigger role uh, in that in that game in that position and do a little bit more from that spot than from what we've seen Shump do so far. You know, at the very least, we're going to talk about him when we get to the Magic game, but Felder on Saturday really commanded the ball well. He dribbled well, and he's a guy that I like. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see if that changes and see if they want to play him, but it's worth noting that Shump really hasn't played that way, and that was sort of the same on Saturday as well when uh, when, uh, Felder did play a little bit more and made his NBA debut. Lastly, the Cavs were in an interesting lineup, I thought, in the second quarter. Um, that was LeBron James played center. He was on the floor with Kyrie Irving, Richard Jefferson, Shumpert, and Dunleavy. Um, and, I, and I think this is something we may see a little bit more of moving forward. For starters, Channing Fry is going to be away from the team. We don't know for how long, but his mother died, and he's taking he's getting away. He has the funeral to go to, obviously, and our, and our condolences definitely go out to Channing and his family. Uh, but you know when that happens, that leaves the Cavs, the Cavs a little bit thin up front. That means Birdman's going to play, but that also means you could do things with LeBron at center where he's going to play with Kyrie, with RJ, and with all those guys. JR could certainly fit in that equation. 
and you know it's not something they used a lot of in this game I don't think they used it in Orlando against Orlando rather but four minutes three or five shots two turnovers is something I'd like to see it's certainly a fun small lineup and just keep an eye on the fact if uh if we do in fact see that again at any point I'm intrigued by it I'm not sure it's going to be a staple during the regular season by any means but I certainly think there's a possibility that this could be used, especially if Fry doesn't come back for another week or so, or if you know any injuries happen over the course of the season, it's something to watch. From there, we'll look at the player of the game, uh, which for me was Kyrie Irving. He obviously hit the game winner, led the team in scoring, and he's really just, again, taking on that bigger role that I think setting him up for success. Uh, he's just having a really, really good start to the year. He was just superb in this game. I played Kyle Lowry. And I, I think this is the kind of performance you can look forward to seeing from Kyrie uh, as things keep going and as things progress and as, you know, the Cavs keep moving forward this season. I, I think there's a really, really good chance this is the type of game you see from Kyrie a lot. And he's maybe going to keep hitting these big clutch shots. After the game, he was asked, you know, if this compared to the finals, and obviously it doesn't, but, uh, you know, he's a guy who's just going to hit these big shots, and that's certainly something uh, to keep your eye on. So a couple, here's the three wine and gold winners from this game. Uh, for starters, you have Kyrie Irving's big shot. I mean, that's something we've talked about a lot already, but such a big moment, such a clutch performance from Kyrie deserves a lot of mention. Uh, number two, Tristan Thompson was really see- sneaky good in this game, and that's sort of a common... Uh, thing with <laughs> with Tristan Thompson. Uh, double-double, you know, never is going to you know necessarily blow you away, is going to set the world on fire, but played just solid basketball against the Raptors. Uh, you know, needed to be where he needed, where he needed to be, he was. Uh, just filled the roles, and he, he handled the a tight game pretty well played 36 minutes five of five from the field missed one of his free throws 10 boards a block only one foul 11 points i mean just a really overall really good game for him filling the gaps in and uh you know you have to really like we saw it at tt in that game uh, and lastly you go you look at how Ty Lue coached this game kept them composed uh kept the whole team was very composed and I don't think there's anything not to like. And also, after the game, you know, there, I wasn't in Toronto, but you saw the reports that they were uh, really enjoying themselves watching the Indians game after the game. And it's that that is something we'll talk about in the Magic game, too. But that was that's certainly cool to see. I thought it'd be the wine and gold winners for that game. Uh, to move on to Orlando, so the Cavs won 105 to 99, led by as many as 22. The game really looked out of hand at the half. With the Cavs are cruising. Uh, if you're there in person, you certainly saw. All the, everything going on, you know, they were playing the Indians highlights up on the board. They were doing just a bunch of really cool stuff uh, with the Indians game, and it was a very cool environment. A lot of people were downtown for the Indians game watch party at Progressive Field. We still had, uh, you know, a ton of people in the queue, a ton of people very revved up. It was mini championship banner night, which is certainly cool. They debuted a new intro featuring DMX, um, and, and it was, again, really cool. So three takeaways. Again, to look at Kyrie Irving, he led the team in scoring. Uh, and, and in shots, he had 18 points. Sorry, to look, to look at Kyrie Irving again. Uh, to look at Kyrie Irving again, he had 18 shots. Kevin Love had 17. And LeBron had 16. How this offense is certainly being structured to start the year. And there's some certainly some trends. I mean, Ky- LeBron is not leading the team in shots every night. He is not 
necessarily doing every little thing for the Cavs, but he is certainly kind of still playing a very big part. He's doing LeBron things, but Kyrie is the one sort of driving everything. Love is certainly helping. He looks very aggressive and is playing really well. And this is just a different, more balanced offense than we've seen. Just a very noteworthy thing there to say that, hey, Kyrie Irving, even in this back-to-back, when everyone's a little bit tired, uh, is going to certainly play that way. And that's something for us to to watch a little bit as we uh, keep on moving forward as the season goes. If this keeps up, do the Cavs keep winning? It's certainly not out of the realm. I mean, so Kyrie Irving didn't lead the team in scoring this game. He had 20 points, LeBron had 23. But uh, two more shots, same amount of field goal makes. Actually, same amount of three-point attempts it makes, which is interesting. Uh, the difference is LeBron got to the line 11 times, Kyrie only four. LeBron also had nine assists, Kyrie just had two. So uh, something to just keep an eye out on there as how that how that dynamic works. I don't think it's a bad dynamic at all. I think it actually works quite well. Uh, and speaking of LeBron, he did a lot of very LeBron things in this game. He had a nice dunk uh, block on Alfred Payton. He had a couple really nice dunks. And he had this absurd pass to Mike Dunleavy that was a wraparound pass on the baseline. Uh, it was just a beautiful pass. And I'm just going to pull you this really great quote that he had after the game about that pass. And uh, Because I think it's just kind of funny if you didn't already hear it. At what point during the play did you see him? Because you definitely weren't looking at him. Um, no, I just, um, just trusted my instincts. Um, I knew the set that we called and uh, you know, trusted my, my ability to make that pass. And... Um, I was happy I was able to make it um, on time, on target, but it started with the set. It started with the timing, and then uh, it finished with, you know, double T setting a great rip screen for, for Dunson uh, in that short corner, and I was able to get it to him. But um, it's a pretty unique uh, pass. There's probably only one guy in, in the world that can make that pass. I wonder who that is. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to figure it out. So there you have LeBron James's little humble brag after the game. Uh, all in good fun. I, I've had people on my in my Twitter mentions saying, Manu Ginobili and Steph Curry and Ricky Rubio. Look, guys, I understand that <laughs> those guys make those passes too. LeBron's having a little fun here, digging a little bit. It's nothing more than that. It's not, it's not something to get worked up about and get mad online about. Um, and it was just a great pass. If you haven't seen the clip, we have a video up of it at Fear the Sword. Uh, you can certainly check that out. It's just an amazing pass. It's such a whip around pass. And really worth noting. Uh, lastly, so J.R. Smith uh, came up really big in this game. Hit a couple late threes. Bailed, really was the guy who bailed them out, uh, which is something you don't really expect out of J.R. You know, he's struggled a little bit to start the year in the first half. Just 2 of 5 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. But he, to quote Tyron Lue directly, he said he, as in from J.R., bailed them out. He had 11 of his 16 points in the fourth quarter, three threes in the final, 331 of the game. Um, and that's a really good sign for J.R. Smith. He's a guy who didn't have a preseason. He didn't have the full training camp like other guys as he negotiated that new contract that he got. And he's still, again, just getting used to having his legs back. And I'm, we're going to play a clip from J.R. and let you hear directly from him as he talks about needing to get back into full-on shape uh, as the season gets going. Hear from him as he talks about him needing to get back into shape still a little bit. So you took me 
matters into your own hands there in the, in the fourth quarter. Do you feel that you had to be that igniter at that point? Um, no, I mean, the guys just set the table for me. You know, it was just time for me to eat. Uh, I was playing around with the ball a little bit too much the last three games, actually. And uh, at the halftime, they came in and just said, you know, just catch and shoot. I mean, they close out. After they close out hard, after you make, you know, two, three, then, you know, get to go to get to a side step, step back or whatever. And uh, just overthinking. So, just unfortunately, I have to use these games as my preseason games. So, I'm getting used to it. Is that part of it, you know, trying to get caught up on the fly? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, practicing by yourself pretty much. Uh, it doesn't really... I mean, it helps you get better with your workouts, but it's nothing like playing against competition and, you know, guys closing out to you and contesting and stuff like that. So just getting reacclimated uh, back with, you know, playing against people. Ty also mentioned before the game that he thought conditioning was playing a role in some of your early shooting problems in part because you were playing so hard. So you didn't have enough left just because of how hard you were playing defensively. But then you have those three late shots. So, I mean, I mean how do you feel from a conditioning standpoint? No, I mean, I feel pretty good now. Um, it was extra, it's, obviously, it's tougher playing against, you know, the, the Rosens and those type of guys. Uh, as I try to, I mean, my whole defensive mindset, you know, try to not let those guys catch the ball. I mean, that's when they're most dangerous, when they have the ball in their hands. So, um, but, I mean, it's, it's getting back. Um, I mean, I just, you know, I got great teammates to go against in practice, so they, they pretty much get me up to speed pretty fast. So there you have it, directly from Jarrah Smith. He's still getting back into the flow of things, and I think we've seen that. I think you've seen him uh, try to dribble a little bit too much, getting into shots. You've seen him force a little bit. Um, and he's a guy on this Cavs team who really functions best when he just gets to catch and shoot, just gets to work on the flow of the game off LeBron James, off Kyrie Irving, off Kevin Love. He can hit those threes for sure like he did on Saturday, but uh, he's really best when he is operating in the flow of the game and really operating working off other players. Um, I mean, there, there's a clip that J- Jerry Dubin, the host of Lockdown Knicks, tweeted that not as long ago where he literally didn't have to look at the rim to shoot when LeBron set him up for a pass. That's how he works best. Um, and the, the, having a game like he did on Saturday should really bode well for JR as he's, you know, as the season goes on. And, you know, it is early. Uh, you don't have, need to worry about JR. He's a guy who, again, he missed training camp. And you can sort of see that because he looks tired. I think the team in general looked a little bit tired. On uh, he looked a little bit tired on Saturday because, he, and I think the whole team did because they were playing on a back to back. But you know, right now he's shooting 32% from three. Um, that would be the lowest he had shot from three dating back to when he was a rookie when he was 19 playing for the New Orleans Hornets. So, guys, there, there's nothing really to worry about there with JR. He's going to get back up to around 40%. He's in the two years he's been with the Cavs. 2014-15 in those 46 games, 39% on 7.3 attempts. Last year, 40% on 6.6 attempts. This year, he's taking 8.3 threes per game. It's a little bit up, but it'll probably sink back down just a little bit. Um, 7.5 seems like a pretty reasonable number, especially if LeBron's going to take less shots. And he's going to get back up to where he'd want Jair to be. It may not come right away, but he's a guy who I think will get back. Shooter, shoot. Jair's a shooter, and he will get back to being uh, the J.R. Smith that we all love. As a, as a bonus takeaway, um, it's really, really cool to see how the team supports the Cleveland Indians. Um, they, in the, we're in the locker room after the game. 
And J.R. Smith is, you know, he asked people to move because we were standing in front of the TV. So apologies to J.R. for blocking his view of Andrew Miller. Uh, but the team is getting really excited. LeBron is teasing DeAndre Liggins at one point for being a Cubs fan. And Liggins goes, I'm a Sox fan in terms of the White Sox. And then they make fun of Shumpert a little bit. And they're just teasing. It's just a very positive mood in, in the locker room. Uh, they, they admit to looking at the game, the Indian score, and the highlights during the game. They know how big this is for the city. LeBron has an Indian jersey in his locker right now. It's just a really, really cool moment um, and a cool environment to see those guys support the other Cleveland team going to, uh, looking to win a world title and playing at that level. So it's it's really, really cool to see that. And then the Weinigold winner. So first off, Kay Felder had his first bucket, beats the first quarter buzzer, with it, and just he uses his speed to get to the rim. I thought he looked really, really good in this game. Uh, you know, it wasn't a blowaway performance by any means. I think they would have liked to play him more had the game not got out of hand late. But he plays five minutes, two points, one and three from the field. Missed his first shot, which was uh, a three-pointer from the right wing. Had one assist. Would have had two if Kevin Love had not dribbled and then made a shot. A uh, good five minutes for Feather. Would like to see more of him. Um, and, you know, Shumpert's only playing 18 minutes, so maybe it's hard to see how you cut it. Maybe JR goes down a little bit, but he only played 28. Dunleavy played 19. You, it's, it's curious to see if they can get K. Felder the type of minutes he might be looking for and that they might want to get him to just develop him. So we'll have to see um, if that's the case or if they add another guy, how that would work. Um, I personally would like to see him and maybe JR or Shump play with Kevin Love on those bench units. That's something I would like to see. Uh, secondly, Jr. had the the most besides LeBron's pass, the most fun play of the night. Uh, the, there was a missed shot. He ran in right in the lane and did a putback dunk. That was pretty spectacular. He said after the game, "Don't expect me to do a lot of those." He joked about being older, um, but uh, just a very explosive Jr. Smith play. Kind of got him rolling a little bit. Got the crowd really into it. Um, and it's certainly pretty interesting to see. And then lastly, Kevin Love. Um, he's a guy. You know, we're. Wondering what his role is going to be like. We're wondering what he's going to look like. And he didn't have the best numbers game here. 6-7 from the field. Missed all five of his threes. But 7-7 seven, seven from the line. Five boards. did Played really well defensively against Serge Ibaka and Orlando's other bigs. 19 points. Uh, pretty good game for Kevin Love. Just another aggressive game where he's getting back into the flow of things. Played about 33 minutes, which is less than Kyrie and LeBron. Not totally unsurprising. But... He had a very, just another aggressive game, being assertive. This is a Kevin Love that I think is going to get better as the year goes on. I think right now, uh, he's been, you know, it's been he's been the most confident we've seen him in a Cavs uniform, uh, at least to start a year, and he just seems like in a much better place, and that is certainly a good thing to see. Those are the a little extra wine and gold winners uh, from that game. So Cavs 2-0 on the weekend, good weekend for them, and now we're going to hop right into our mailbag questions for this week. Got a couple of them. Again, if you want to submit these, you can do so by dropping me an email at LockedOnCavs at gmail.com or to at LockedOnCavs on Twitter. First up, Eric Singer, uh, and that's at Eric underscore Singer. What do you think Kay Felder's ceiling is with the Cavs? Uh, for me, I think it's as a backup point guard that maybe plays 10 or 12 minutes a game. I think if they don't acquire someone and they believe in him, that is a possibility, but I wouldn't bank on it. Um, and I think the other alternate reality is that he becomes a guy they could use in a trade that's enticing for other teams. But I don't really know how likely that is. I don't know what his value would really be. I think he's good. I think he's talented. But um, hard to exactly see what he could be other than those two things on this team. 
Um, I think, you know, the potentials are for him to be more if he was in a situation where he could play more, but I don't think this is that situation. Um, I still think maybe Canton makes some sense for him if they get a veteran, but I think if they if they give him the chance, I think he could be a decent backup point guard for the regular season. I personally would be very encouraged by them pursuing that. It's something I would be very interested in them seeing trying to do. I think, you know, I he just looks like he can dribble, and a munch jumper doesn't always look like he can, so... That's what we're seeing. So from Bosnian underscore and Bosnian Bear underscore NBA, excuse me, says playing TT. That's Tristan as a starter with those kind of minutes will have some negative effect, right? Um, so I don't really think so. I think if he it depends on how many minutes. If it's forty and he's playing forty minutes a night for eighty-two games, not great. He's gonna get tired. But if he plays twenty-eight or he plays thirty like he's done to start the year, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Um, he's a guy who's in shape. It's not like last year where he's worked himself into shape. He's come into the season in pretty good shape, looks healthy, he's playing healthy, even though he played over the summer. And he's also a very durable guy. He has he has the longest active streak of NBA games played, never, had a, never has had a major injury, never really looks like he is really struggling uh, with his health or anything like that or struggling to have energy. And so I don't really think it's it's unreasonable for him to play a starter every night. It's not. I mean, the starter thing certainly looks like it means he's going to play more, but he's relatively playing the same minutes he has, even when he came off the bench. He's playing roughly the same role, just different because he's a starter. Um, and that sort of doesn't matter that much. That little nuance doesn't really change what his role is. Just because he's a starter does not mean he's playing 40 minutes tonight. He's going to play 30. I think he's durable. He'll be fine. From... Matt Schillenting, I'm positive I'm butchered your name, who is a staff writer at Let's Go Tribe, uh, our Indians blog at SB Nation. So shout out to Matt. Uh, will the Magic ever beat the Cavs again, or did they burn it all off in 2009? You know what? As long as LeBron James is playing in Cleveland, I'm okay with picking the Cavs against the Magic every time. They've won 15 in a row. The games were never close. Saturday was close, but only late after the Cavs kind of tanked a little bit. And, uh... Yeah, I'm pretty good with saying the Magic will not beat the Cavs until LeBron leaves, as long as LeBron plays. That's the little caveat I have to that. So from Slade, uh, takeaways, this is via email, takeaways from K-Feather's debut, would you like to see him play backup point guard from here on out? So I touched on this a little bit, but I certainly uh, would like to see him play some more backup point guard. I certainly would like to see K-Feather do a little bit more. I was encouraged by how he fit. I encouraged by how he... Seem very confident out there in that little spurt. And it's a, it's a lot to read into five minutes of play. But I, th- I think he's worth a shot. I'm not really in love with the idea of a monster, but as a backup point guard. I don't think he's a good enough dribbler or decision maker. I mean, if you look at how he how he just kind of functions, he's really only good at making those basic reads. He's not really good at making uh, those sort of complex reads that a backup point guard needs to make sometimes to really take the pressure off Kyrie and LeBron. Um I don't think it would be a stretch to say Matthew Delavadova is a better, you know, distributor and kind of offensive leader than Shump, and that's not really a good indicator. That is not really a good sign for Shump. Uh, I, I would like CK play. I think you know he blew confident. He's very fast. He's got a good handle for someone that's wasn't really trying to do anything too fancy. You know, they can le- playing with LeBron, I guess, and playing with Kevin Love to give him someone to lean on. They did that early. They had LeBron uh, play with him. K would bring up the ball. 
and then LeBron would take it and Kay would work off ball and be the secondary creator. There are ways you can set them up for success, and I would like to see them pursue that a little bit more. And our last question this week comes from Jim Run 85 who says, Joe Varden said Patrick Beverly is a trade target. What would the Cavs have that Houston wants? Seems like a pipe dream. So if you're wondering where that came from, Joe Varden, who is Cleveland.com's Cavs beat reporter, I wrote in his mailbag that Beverly's the guy the Cavs should, that you should keep an eye on if the Cavs pursue somebody. They're not really interested in Rubio. They're not actively trading Shumpert. Um, and if you could get Patrick Beverly, that would obviously be a huge get for the Cavs. Uh, for one, Beverly is very good. He's had some injury issues. He's hurt right now. But he's think of him, think of him as this. He's Matthew Lavadova, but better. Um, he's a better ball handler. He's stronger, I think. He's a better defender. Basically, he, he is a deli. He does what Delhi does, but in Houston, um, with it next to James Harden, thirty-seven point three percent crew three. He's a thirty-seven point three percent career three-point shooter on four point four attempts per game. Good defender can slide off ball. Can still lead the offense in the ways you want. He's definitely better than Shumpert. Definitely better than K. Felder right now. And he, if the Cavs could somehow get him, that would be a huge get. I'm curious to see how he fits in Houston. I'm curious to see how he exactly, you know, functions in that high-tempo offense when Harden's going to be handling the ball so much. Uh, and he's also on a pretty affordable deal. I mean, this year he's making $6 million. Next year he's making five and a half. 2018 he's making $5 million. Those are incredibly cheap deals under this new cap. Cavs could fit that under straight exception. Not a problem. But here's the issue. I don't think the Cavs have anything that could get a guy on that type of deal and that with that skill set for in a reasonable way. Um, you look at what they have. Shumpert's maybe their best trade piece, and that's not great. They have all these first-round picks that they, they, they theoretically could use, but they're, none of them are probably going to be good first-round picks. They're going to be late first-round picks, and I don't think they get you Beverly. Um, if, if they can find a way to do what they should, but if you can, I cannot reasonably construct an offer on this Cavs roster that would get them Patrick Beverly without um, Houston getting kind of a low-level thing for him. I mean, maybe the injuries drive down his trade value. Maybe Houston just wants picks. Maybe they like Shump enough. Because um, I don't think the Cavs would trade Shump unless they got something better in return and they got someone actually very useful. Because if you trade him, you're also thinning out your wing, even if you get someone else good. Because they probably still need Shump to be a good, competent wing this year. So... It's kind of interesting that his name's coming up a couple of times now. Um, Pete, again, he'd be a, he'd be the perfect backup point guard for this team if they could nab him. Good deal, good player, tough guy. Would bring a certain skill set that they that they certainly could use, but I don't think it's likely to happen. So that that has been today's Lockdown Cavaliers. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please go give us a rating review on iTunes if you like the show. You know, it helps other people find the podcast. Thanks again to SeatGeek for sponsoring this podcast. We'll be back tomorrow previewing the Rockets game with Ethan Rossi of the Dream Shake. Um, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. This has been Chris. This has been Locked on Cavs. 